Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our scripture is taken from John chapter 6, verse 51, which says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. This is a gospel in a verse. It tells us that Jesus came from heaven, a little babe in a manger, grew up with the goal of going to the cross, and he died there. He gave his flesh, and he gave his life for the world. On the cross, he bore our sins in his own body. He took our place, and because of that, uh, we can have forgiveness of sins and new life in him. What a great privilege and what a great opportunity we have in this day and age to serve him and to represent him here on earth. This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Dave and Jean Foster, who have a tremendous ministry in uh, London, England. They've been there for several years and have grown just a very dynamic church with, I'm not sure how many different countries and language groups that they have in that church, but it's like the UN when you preach there. And I've been invited to preach there several times. And I've always enjoyed fellowship with uh, David and Jean. They have some tremendous opportunities for outreach into the community and even to the Muslim community. And uh, Dave, why don't you just uh, start telling us about how the Lord has opened so many doors for you. Christmas, uh, we're coming, we've started now planning our Christmas program. Last year we had 105. We do scripture, Christmas carols, and serve a 
traditional English Christmas lunch. That's that Christmas and Easter we do a very pointed Christian message. One encouraging thing, the last outing we had, some of the um, Hindu ladies that come with us quite re regularly and would have been some of the last people I would have expected to ask me this, but they said, can you give me anything to read about Jesus? And I said, yeah, we'll sort that out for you. <laughs> so, so we've been, so we've given them literature and or have given them some literature to read and um, hopefully we'll have the opportunity to share Amen. with them. Jean, Jean, actually, she, the first year we were there, been there 14 years, but the first year she kept a track of how many uh, she'd hosted people in the home. There's around a thousand people in the, oh my goodness. Uh, in the home. So uh, their home, yeah. their home is very comfortable, but it's it's not large. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, so they would be packed in there pretty good. Yeah. So that's great. Great, that's, great. That's one of the cultural things is with the people we have, you don't have to have a lot of space per person. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, David, t talk about some of the. Um, yeah, I know you had some real interactions with uh, the Muslim community and. Uh, Great opportunities to share Christ. Um, I know our radio audience would really like to hear about those. You know, I think that first of all, it probably begins, you know, in our own hearts as far as um, asking the Lord to just really fill us with his love and compassion, uh, break down any of the barriers, any prejudices, and some of the world's um, what they impose as far as wanting us to think about different people. But um, um, yes, the Lord has opened uh, many different uh, doors, opportunity, particularly at the beginning of 2015, whenever one of the uh, Muslim uh, counselors, the local government, uh, came to me and said, David, could you, would you like to come and represent the, um, the Christian faith? We're having, it was a, a British Muslim uh, Indian Association in the UK with 450 Muslim leaders. You come representing the Christian faith, but we'll give you an opportunity to speak. And then whenever I ask, well, what is the topic? And they said, the topic is unity in the midst of diversity. And uh, he just really laid into my lap a <laughs> prime opportunity to be able to share uh, the love of Jesus because I used our own congregation as an example of how the many different nationalities, very diverse, but yet what brings us together, what unites us together, is the love of Jesus Christ. And you know, I had the privilege, it was an amazing opportunity with 450 Muslim leaders in the community, a formal dinner, also 60 counselors from three different boroughs in London that were also invited to this, plus all the MPs in our area mm. of East London that were there, and just to be able to get up and speak and just outline the gospel in a very simple way and how Christ comes to live within us by his spirit and his spirit that will unite us together in his love <laughs> and his grace. And, um, and you know, as a result, some of the uh, Muslim leaders in the community, and they uh, began to recognize you and it opens many other doors as well. So it's been um, a really um, a tremendous time, particularly in the last two or three years, and that the Lord has opened those doors. So. Yeah, didn't you tell me at one time that uh, there were some Muslim leaders in the community that came to you and uh, wanted you to talk to, to just the imams about how, uh, how to save their kids, that they were losing their kids, and they were concerned about that, and you, 
you were able to talk to them as well. Yes, that's right. I had two moms that came uh, at the end of our second service on a Sunday morning, and they said, could we speak to you? And I said, well, it's not really a good opportunity now, but if you'd like to come back uh, on a Monday morning. Uh, about a week later, one of them did come back, and they said, um, there's a bunch of Muslim leaders that were having a meeting, and they wanted me to come, and they had concerns about, because in our area, uh, it's always been a, a very mobile area, people coming, going, immigrants coming into the country. With that also, more recent years has, has been lots of prostitution and drugs, and some of the Muslim leaders were concerned about their own children being drawn into that kind of culture, and so they advised to come. Some of their concerns were, you know, how can we move these people on out of our area? And I said, well, actually, we as Christians, one of the things that we do is we pray that their lives will be actually changed and transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. So, yes, it is just been one opportunity after another. We went on uh, a week's holiday this last summer, and um, it was one of those unfortunate timings <laughs> in some ways because our local MP, who is a Christian believer, he was, um, uh, he was actually brutally stabbed um, by a, um, was actually a Muslim lady that came into his office, and, um, but he survived. As a result, he has become very more outspoken as far as his faith in Jesus Christ. But he uh, contacted me. He said, David, the um, uh, Minister of Religious uh, Affairs from Pakistan is going to be here, and he's invited you and I to come and to meet with him. And unfortunately, I was away on holiday, and I oh. couldn't make it. But, um, um, but yes, it's been really Praise some blessed opportunities. Yeah. Lord has certainly opened wonderful, wonderful opportunities for you, and is using you in a mighty way. It's really a, a blessing to uh, read your emails and see how God's working. And I've been very encouraged uh, through your ministry as well. So the Lord bless you. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. We appreciate all those who listen and pray and write in and tell us about their experience and tell us about how our broadcast is meeting needs in their lives. It's always a wonderful blessing to receive letters from those who hear our broadcast. And we trust that God will continue to bless you and pray for us and continue to support our ministries because as you're aware, this is a listener-supported ministry. This month, we're actually offering a wonderful, wonderful book that probably all of us need. It's entitled Trials, God's Refining Fire. And of course, all of us have trials and tribulations and difficult things to face each day. And one of the questions that they ask is, do you ever feel like you're being tested? Have you ever wondered how much more you can take? When the heat of the trial has been turned up yet another notch, how can you hang on to hope? These are wonderful questions to ask. And in this booklet, you can discover how to face your trial positively. You can persevere through your trial patiently. You can finish your trial maturely. You can pray for wisdom consistently. And you can believe in God's answer confidently. Oftentimes, in ways we don't understand, God uses trials in our lives to cleanse us, purify our hearts. Trust Him to use each turbulent trial. He will showcase His faithfulness through your life and will give you peace throughout the process. I highly recommend this booklet. I think it will be a great blessing to your spiritual life 
It will encourage you and it will help you in a mighty way and maybe in ways that you didn't realize. So please write in and get your copy of Trials, God's Refining Fire. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R787, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. Today's message is from Dr. Fred Hartman, and it's a continuing message from Revelation. I know you're going to enjoy this message. Printed copies are available upon request. We've been researching and discussing about how close we could be living to the end-time events that are prophesied in the Bible. that have been fulfilled exactly as he said. Our first example is found in Ezekiel 36, verses 6 to 11. Therefore prophesy concerning the land of Israel, and say to the mountains, the hills, and the rivers, and the valleys. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I have spoken in my jealousy and my fury, because you have borne the shame of the nations. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I have lifted my hand in an oath that surely the nations that are around you shall bear their own shame. But you, O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people Israel, for they are about to come. For indeed I am for you, and I will turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown. I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, all of it, and the cities shall be inhabited and the ruins rebuilt. I will multiply upon you man and beast, and they shall increase and bear young. I will make you inhabited as in former times, and do better for you than at your beginnings. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Here's a prophecy made by the prophet Ezekiel about 600 years before the birth of Christ. It ties in with messages from other prophets and himself that the Jews would return to the land after being scattered all over the earth for several thousand years. That land had been desolated and ravished by one people group after another. It was basically inhabited by a few scattered Bedouins. The towns were in ruins, and the only visitors were a few pilgrims. Then something began to happen. Today, that once barren land provides fruit and vegetables not only for a population of around 9 million, but for much of the Middle East and Europe as well. The towns that were once in ruins have been rebuilt into modern cities where the people live and work. They have good roads, modern transportation, good schools, and modern conveniences similar to our own. God also promises that the Jews would be scattered, that they would come home to the land that he gave to their forefathers. In Deuteronomy 28, God made some promises about the Jewish people, about what would happen to them if they turned away from him. This is given to us in verses 62 to 67. You shall be left few in number, whereas you were as the stars of heaven in multitude because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And it shall be just as the Lord rejoiced over you 
to do you good and multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to nothing. And you shall be plucked from off the land which you go to possess. Then the Lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of earth to the other. And there you shall serve other gods, which neither you nor your fathers have known. Before Israel went into the land under the leadership of Joshua, the Lord promised that if they turned away from him, they would lose their homeland. They would be few in number and scattered among the nations of the world. They would fear for their lives and be a persecuted people. My point in using these two illustrations is to make it very clear that the prophecies that God made have been and are continuing to be fulfilled exactly as he promised and to the people to whom he made these promises. Next, let's take a look at a few of the prophecies given in the Old Testament about the first coming of Jesus. In Isaiah 7.14, we're told that the Lord would give the Jewish people a sign. That sign would be that a virgin would conceive and bear a son whose name would be Emmanuel or God with us. There has been much discussion about the virgin birth as to whether or not the birth of Jesus was by a virgin. First of all, it was a sign to the Jewish people. A lot of young women bear children, so if that was the case, this would not be a sign or a miracle. The Hebrew word Alma, which is translated virgin, means a young woman, one of whose characteristics is a virgin. Matthew clears this up in chapter 1, verse 23 of his gospel, quoting Isaiah 7:14. He uses the Greek word parthenos for virgin. This word can only mean virgin. So nearly 800 years before his birth, Isaiah clearly pointed out the one who would be named God with us would be born of a virgin. That prophecy was literally fulfilled exactly as God promised. King David wrote his Psalms around a thousand years before the birth of Christ. In Psalm 22, he clearly gives us several prophecies concerning the crucifixion of Christ, and he gives it insight in detail about it. In verse 16, we read, They pierced my hands and my feet. In verse 18, we read, They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. When we read the Gospels, we know this is exactly what happened at Calvary. God used David to make these prophecies, and they were fulfilled literally and exactly as God gave them to him so many centuries earlier. But using these few prophecies, we have seen today that we can each note that God fulfilled them precisely as he promised. These are only a few examples of hundreds of prophecies written in the word of God that have been fulfilled. It is on that basis that we can claim that our God who never changes will one day literally fulfill the prophecies concerning future events.
Why would a person ever doubt that God would change the way he will fulfill them? The reason for giving all of these previous, this previous information is because of a sweeping change that is taking place in theology today, especially with the younger generation. Many hold that you cannot accept prophecy as being contextually, historically, and grammatically correct. They try to do away with future prophecy being taken literally. For example, they claim that the promises given by God to Israel have nothing to do with the nation of Israel, but they have been transferred to the church. There is no future millennial kingdom with Christ ruling over the world for 1,000 years. The Middle East has nothing to do with end-time events, so they claim. I just received a communication from Israel today that confirmed this. For years, the evangelical church has been a great friend of Israel, steadfastly standing with her through her wars, terrorism, and hatred by so many. This has been because of our firm premillennial position. Our position is that the church will be raptured or taken up to heaven first. This will be followed by seven years called the tribulation period. At the end of that time, Jesus will return to the earth, defeat the enemy, and establish a thousand-year reign of righteousness on the earth. The communication I received today from Israel stated very clearly that the evangelical church is removing their backing and support for Israel because they are convinced that there is no future for Israel. God is finished with their her, and so are they. For me, this information was heartbreaking. At this point, I would like to take you to some scripture to prove that God is not finished with Israel and that he has much more for them prophetically. In Jeremiah 31, 35 to 40, we read these words. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for a light by day and the ordinances of the moon and stars for a light by night, who disturbs the sea and its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, says the Lord. Behold, the days are coming says the Lord, that the city be built for the Lord from the tower of Hananiel to the corner gate. The surveyor's line shall again extend straight forward over the hill Gareb. Then it is shall turn toward the Goath and the whole valley of the dead bodies and of the ashes and all the fields as far as the brook Kidron to the corner of the horse gate toward the east shall be holy to the Lord. It shall be 
plucked up. It shall not be plucked up or thrown down anymore forever. It is absolutely impossible for me to see how you could ever take a prophecy like this and make it an allegory or have it in any way refer to the church. These promises, as well as so many others, are so detailed and refer to a glorious future day when our Lord will return and establish his kingdom on earth for a thousand years. Israel will be restored and Jesus will rule over it and the entire earth for those thousand years. If you remember during the life of Jesus, the people were looking for a king. They wanted a king who could deliver them from the Roman bondage. They forgot they were under a far greater bondage than Rome. It was the bondage of sin. When the remnant of Israel that remains at the end of the tribulation turns to the Lord at the second coming, their sins will be forgiven and the nation restored, and he will be crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Zechariah 14, 20-21 puts it this way, In that day, holiness to the Lord shall be engraved on the bells of the horses. The pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yes, every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness to the Lord of hosts. Everyone who sacrifices shall come and take them and cook in them. In that day, there shall be no longer a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. Ezekiel ends the prophecy of in his book, but the name of the, of the city from that day shall be, the Lord is there. My friend, approximately 40% of the Bible was prophetic when it was written. That which has been fulfilled has come to pass exactly as it was predicted. It is on that basis, as well as the faithfulness of God, that we can depend on the future prophecies to be fulfilled on the same basis. I trust the message you just heard will be a great encouragement and blessing to you, and maybe some of the truths taught there will even help you throughout this next week. Here at Kansas National Bible Hour, we're so concerned about our listeners. But one of the things that you also are concerned about is not only the growth of believers, but also those who maybe listen to this broadcast and don't know Jesus Christ personally. You need to have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. It's the only way to get into his presence. Jesus, when he was on earth, said, I'm the way. He's the only way. I'm the truth. He's the only truth. He's the only way. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except through, through the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us need a Savior because of that sin. God is a holy God, and he won't be in the presence of sin. And uh, that's why the Old Testament was really written, to show the children of Israel uh, what things uh, would cause sin in your life. And then you'd have to make a sacrifice to uh, appease that sin, to get yourself right with God, and it, it required the shedding of blood. 
Jesus shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. He was a perfect sacrifice. Because he shed his own blood, we have the privilege of asking him to become part of our life. We acknowledge that we need a savior because we're sinners and we need him in our life so that we can have connection with the Most High God. The verse that I came to faith in is, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And I claimed that verse as a 12 year old and that verse changed my whole life. I've served the Lord for over 50 years now and God has blessed me and my family and our ministry to a great extent. Please write in and get your copy of Trials, God's Refining Fire. It will be such a blessing to your life, to your spiritual life. It'll help you grow. It'll help you have a new perspective. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also hear past messages on Canada's National Bible Hour by visiting our website.org. That was www.missiongo-radio.org. MissionGo is spelled M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O-Radio.org. You can also find us on your smartphone app. Uh, we are called MGO Radio. It's a Christian online radio station. Speakers you hear are on Canada's National Bible Hour as well as others. And also have really good Christian music. And you can actually tune in all day and it will be a real blessing to you.